Professor Sir John Curtis is the man who knows all about these things. Um, John, the fact is that about the same number voted for no-deal Brexit as um, voted to remain. Yes, uh, absolutely correct. Um, there are two parties that are willing to contemplate no deal. Uh, the uh, Brexit Party and the UK Party won 35%. Then on the other side of the fence uh, are those who are in favour of a second referendum. The Liberal Democrats, Change UK and the Greens between them certainly got 35%. You can then decide whether or not you want to add the SNP tally to that. The difficulty there, however, and this is where at this point we have to realise that this game of trying to infer attitudes from the outcome of elections is a rather dangerous one. One of the things that we know from polling evidence north of the border is that a substantial minority, maybe as much as one in three of those who voted for the SNP are actually Leave voters. And while it's true that particularly, you know, Nigel Farage's party overwhelmingly a Leave vote, and the Democrat vote, overwhelmingly a Remain vote. This was not true for other parties. It certainly wasn't necessarily true for the SNP, and it certainly wasn't true for either the Conservatives or the Labour Party. So at the end of the day, I think this game of trying to draw inferences about the exact balance of support for uh, no deal or second referendum is a dangerous one. Maybe, and I think we should simply take two conclude, well, three conclusions. One is the two sides are of roughly equal strength. Secondly, that we are polarised between those two options. But thirdly, neither of them got the support of anything like 50% of the electorate. And I don't think, therefore, that either side can claim that this result demonstrates that there is a mandate for either leaving without a deal or having a second referendum. Uh, the truth is that the two sides still have to argue this out across a society which is roughly equally split on the merits of these two courses of action. But, but not, of course, split along party lines. No, exactly. And, uh, you know, the uh, Conservative Party at the end of the day, uh, miserable though its vote was, uh, the one achievement that it had is it was the one political party that was equally popular, or rather, I should say, unpopular, <laughs> amongst both groups of voters. It got 9% of Leavers and 9% of Remainers, as confirmed by the polling that Lord Ashcroft has put out. And, you know, and, the, and the conversation you've just had with Lisa Nundy, at the end of the day, the Labour Party does to some degree bridge the Remain Leave divide, although it has to be said that only around a third of the Labour vote at the most is a Leave vote. Uh, the rest of it is a Remain vote. And at the end of the day, because so much more of the Labour vote comes from Remainers, and because it is now a very clear message from the from this election, now getting serious competition from the Liberal Democrats and the Greens for that Remain vote, the Labour Party has to worry about that because if push comes to shove and the Labour Party is forced to choose about which of those, which of its two groups of voters it needs to look after, inevitably the arithmetic of the fact that it has far more Remain voters than Leave voters means that it does have to be concerned about losing that Remain vote. Uh, and what if, what that, if you were the new Tory leader? What would you, where, where would you be pitching it? Well, I think the honest truth is here, here, here we get to rail politique. I mean, I think it's going to be very difficult for uh, the Conservative Party to contemplate going to the electorate before they have delivered Brexit. We have to remember the history here. A lot of the Conservative vote in 2017 was a vote of people who've been voting for Nigel Farage's old party, UKIP, in 2014 and 2015, who voted leave in the referendum, but who then, in the 2017 election, were faced with the question who could best deliver Brexit, decided that the answer to that question was Theresa May rather than Paul Nuttall, the then UKIP leader. The trouble is that Conservatives, having failed to deliver Brexit, mm. it's going to be difficult to persuade these voters to accept a promissory vote, uh, 
a note second time round as opposed to actually delivering. Now, we, we know from the polling, quite a lot of the Brexit voters, maybe, maybe as much as half of them who, who defect from the Tories would automatically go back to the Tories, but the rest necessarily wouldn't. And I think, therefore, the Tories probably, if they're going to squeeze Brexit once again, are actually going to have to deliver Brexit, which brings them back to the conundrum of how do they deliver Brexit within the arithmetic of the current House of Commons if you accept the logic of my argument, which is that to get a new House of Commons cannot be achieved until Brexit's actually been delivered. John, thank you very much.